0: Everybody and welcome to the Playwright Repertory Podcast. My name is Sarah Lena Sparks and I'm here with my co-host Mitchell Huntley.
1: Hello everyone.
0: I currently am suffering from morning voice because I woke up 15 minutes ago because for some reason in quarantine my body decided to be nocturnal even though it is like 12:30 p.m.
1: How you doing, Mitchell? I'm I'm doing well. I've, I've been in quarantine. I've been trying to set an alarm for myself. So no matter when I go to sleep, I still wake up at 930. Wow. But it makes me so tired. So
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm the in the majority and you're in the minority. Yeah. You know, you're such a I, I'm I'm
1: slipping. I'm slipping, though. You are. I've been setting an alarm every day. I wake up at 930, send my Snapchat streaks and go you know what, I can go back to sleep, I can go back to sleep, and I go back to sleep for 30 more minutes. So I, I, I...
0: That's still, like, only 10, so that's still fine. Yeah. Mitchell's obsessed (laughs) with Snapchat streaks. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about not Snapchat streaks, but the other common link to Snapchat streaks...
1: (laughs) Play reading. Such a that was such a nice connection.
0: Thanks.
1: <laughs> Great segue.
0: Thank you, Mitchell. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about readings, how to host
1: your own reading, how to entice your friend, I mean incentivize your friends to uh, come and help read your play, our experiences with it,
0: and why would you do this, you ask? Because uh, when you hear somebody else read your words out loud. You, the words will change because you realize, oh, that sounds weird. That sounds crunchy. That's too long. That doesn't make sense that you'd say that. Words Th- those in a long are. Order. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or like you okay. accidentally in the script, but it, one character says something, but it was actually supposed to be another character. And everybody's like, is this right? And then you go, no, it's not. Thank you. Um, so, Mitchell, <laughs> start us off, my good man.
1: Yeah. What's really nice about having friends in the theater or having friends interested in your playwriting, which I I know in my experience, there's not many people that I knew, especially in high school, who wrote plays or musicals. And so it was often people were really interested in like, oh, what are you doing? Often as much that they'd be like, oh, so are you almost finished with this? And I'd be like, no, I'm not finished with this yet. But one of the nice things about having people interested in your work is that oftentimes you have people who would be willing to look at it and read it for you so you can hear what it's all about. And like Sarah said, oftentimes when you hear it out loud, you hear things that are clunky, things that sound archaic or old-fashioned. That's much more personal things. Lots of times I put things in the wrong sentences in the words in the wrong order and it leads to things sounding like everyone is 70 years old even if people in the play are 70 years old you sound
0: like you're 70 years old
1: (laughs) which that that has happened i've written
0: yeah i think what you said about like people who are interested in what you're doing i kind of always forget because a lot of my best friends are also writers um But people think playwriting and any kind of writing is the coolest thing on the planet. And oftentimes they're really excited to see what's going on. Especially if they're your friend and if they're some sort of theater artist or especially an actor. I think they find it really, really cool to be able to be a part of the process. Because it's something that they don't see all the time. And I think especially you'll get groups of people who want to be for the first reading and they want to be in the last reading because a lot of times you're not just one reading and done. You have tons. Of, you might have three, but you might have ten, and they might be over the span of a month and they might be over the span of two, three years. You, you don't know, but I think a lot of people are really excited to be a part of that journey with you because they feel like they get to also kind of... um You know, if they're your friends, they want to be proud of you and they want to see you do all these cool accomplishments. And I think it's really cool for a friend to see one of their friends like thought babies come to life.
1: Yeah, and one of the interesting things is oftentimes if you have other playwriting friends, there's this sort of camaraderie where lots of times they will love to be love to help out, or you can always ask somebody to be like, "Hey, you're a playwright too. I want I wonder if you could possibly come in like." I want to do a reading of my new play. Could you possibly read from one of the parts and oftentimes I mean playwrights we solidarity really, and we want people to be able to uh read our stuff and and so we often will say yes to that because we understand the importance of having people hear your work
0: I also just think that a lot of playwrights are actors and like would be cool with that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Another reason why do a reading. So a lot of times, yes, to hear it out loud, but to also do a huge feedback session afterwards where you put up your shield, you take all your emotions out of your body, and you let people tell you what they thought of the play. And I think sometimes this gets really hard for people because, you know, they think it's kind of trashing on this thing that they worked so hard on. But you got to test it on an audience because you don't even know if the point you're trying to get across is coming across at all. It doesn't matter if it makes sense in your brain. If it doesn't make sense in an audience brain, like you need to work on it. It didn't work. And so that's really important. Something that I always ask in any type of reading is, you know, what did you think it was about? Because if you thought it was about something that I didn't think it was about, then there is something that... Could need revising.
1: Something could be clarified. Really,
0: exactly. Yeah. I know Mitchell just had a big reading and it went deep into the night with feedback. <laughs> but I, it was really helpful. And then Mitchell, you ended up changing yeah. almost
1: the whole first act. It was I don't want to say unrecognizable, but very different. I would say I, I used a lot of the same material. I added a lot more stuff to it because Act One was very sparse and confusing. And I rearranged most of it, but a lot of it stayed the same, like, structure-wise. It just got rearranged around, and that actually made a real big difference. And when I got feedback, I one of the central, like, conceits of the show was challenged. And I needed to address that, which I did with a whole, like, I called it a preamble. It was like a prologue, a little thing. And it addressed this fundamental problem in the play beforehand. And I wouldn't have done that if I had not gotten this this great feedback during this hours long like feedback section
0: and then i think sometimes also when you have people read your play i feel like playwrights are always too afraid to hit it on the nail And then having an audience there, a lot of times they kind of want you to just a little bit more than you think (laughs) you have to, because players want to put everything in disguise and make it so, you know, if you break it down a couple times, you'll understand. But (laughs) audiences need to get the grip. They need to get the story really fast and probably just once, unless you're a total nerd. But most people will see, see your play, see your play. They will not read your play. Like that's the goal is that they don't read it, but they see it. Sure. The nerds can buy it and read it. And that would be awesome. But the goal is for people to see it. So you have to make sure it would be seen. Okay. So if your stage directions don't make sense or something like that, you know, and it can be heard out loud. Okay. Because plays are meant to be heard, not read, heard and seen, not read. So I think it's really important to host these readings and I should take my own advice. Cause I, I personally don't do them very often. <laughs> I think as a student and I'm sure you can relate, I don't know, general people, audiences, when you're writing plays, you feel like this is just kind of a void of my writing and it's not really meant to go anywhere. So why do reading? Why put in the time and the effort to do reading But I should, I know, because you should always try to better your writing, and I know that would help me a lot. Mitchell does them all the time. He's like a reading king.
1: I don't really do them all the time. I I
0: feel like you do them to a lot of your plays, though.
1: I I try to do it to as many plays as I can. I've been doing a couple recently in quarantine, which is both easier and harder to do, because one, everybody's stuck at home, but two... They find other ways to occupy their time, so it's a little harder to do readings in quarantine. But it's not too difficult, especially with Zoom. Yeah, I do. I do it a lot because I write very, like, not verse, but like very kind of like archaic kind of sounding and dialogue. His page,
0: his page number has nothing to do with how long the play is going to be. That's what I've experienced in a Mitchell Huntley play. Is that his? His play will be 30 pages longer than, like, the minutes that it is because it's a very fast-paced dialogue. So, just background. Normally, when you're writing a play, if you do 12 point, what is that? Courier new. Courier new. The kind of rule of thumb is a page equals a minute. Not with a Mitchell Huntley play.
1: (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. (laughs) The most recent one, Unanimous Decision, was pretty close, actually.
0: You've had one play play though that was what like 90 pages and ended up being closer to (laughs)
1: 45
0: minutes so (laughs) that's also I always always time your readings because you want to know you know what you're working with here if you need to submit it to a festival what's it gonna sound like
1: yeah I if you're using zoom in quarantine I would of course ask your actors or readers first if you can record it just so you can have like a have something to listen to when you're revising your dialogue and it also serves the opportunity of timing out your piece as well Mm -hmm. so i'd I'd recommend that asking your actors if you can record just for your own personal reference
0: and then including like big readings also just have people read it send it to a ton of people i know that as soon as i finish a play i send it to mitchell yeah um i send mine to sarah (laughs) So, and we, you know, Ben Susskind, I always send it over to him, too, because Ben never flinches to tell me what he thinks about it, and I love him for that. You don't have to do those big meetings all the time. I'd say first, you should actually send it to people kind of privately, get their thoughts on the story, and then once you revise it after that, then I would have a big reading with it read out loud. And like we do here, you know, you don't need to all be in the same place, which is really cool. And, you know, if you can't find actors to do reading, we'll find them for you.
1: (laughs) Shameless, shameless plug.
0: Plug, you can submit to Playwright Repertory podcasts, and at some (laughs) point we'll get a reading for you. (laughs) Is
1: this this show a wall outlet? Because you really just plugged right there.
0: Mitchell Huntley, (laughs) get out of my face. Like, don't ever say that again. (laughs) I didn't appreciate it at
1: all. Well, I'm sure the the sound effects appreciate it. Am I right, sound effects? (laughs) You couldn't hear that, Sarah, but a bunch I of children just went,
0: yay! Okay, and you can... I didn't... The audience couldn't see it, but my eyes, I think, looked at my brain. They were so in the back of my head when <laughs> when you just said that.
1: Anyway. One of the biggest problems I've encountered, especially in high school, with getting people to read your plays, is apathy. And lots of times people will, will not block it out as, like, a time for the reading, and one of the best ways to um, incentivize people is food. Ooh, yes,
0: which you can't do over Zoom. But can't
1: do over Zoom. I guess you maybe do like no, you can't do over Zoom. I would say like and Uber I H don't or something. think
0: I don't think it's apathy as much as because you are a student and not a teacher, in my experience. People will not take what this is seriously, yeah. and will back out at the last minute. So honestly, overcast, just be—you know—reach out to- and
1: overbook it. Really,
0: exactly. And if anything, just be like, "Oh, hey, everybody showed up. I don't really have a character for you to read, but if you would be willing, could you just listen and tell me what you think?" And I think there's a sweet spot to when you ask somebody to be a part of a reading because I've learned if you do it too early, then they will forget about it. And then it's like you might as well have not asked them because they're going to forget and not come. But if you do it too late, that's when they could have something else going on. So you want to do it in the sweet middle spot where you give them maybe a week in advance and then never forget. Excuse me, audience. I'm talking to you. I'm putting my eyes in your eyes. I don't know what that means. But never forget to send reminders, okay? This is what I'm telling you, okay? You need to send a reminder the day before, three days before, and day of, because people will forget, especially during these quarantine times when people schedule, like, they don't know what day it is, I don't know what day it is, I don't know what time it is, exactly. I don't know what day or time or what space I'm in, so you need to remind them, you need to ground them, okay? Bring them to the ground, pull them down. Tell them. The Do a reading. Them? No, not their pants. Like, like their face. Like, bring them to the ground. Bring them back down to the earth and just be like, hey, it's Tuesday. And on Wednesday, we're having a reading at 7 p.m. And 7 p.m is around mid... Like, right before the sun is fully down. It's starting to go down. It's a good walking time, but instead, <laughs> you're going to be down here with me doing a reading of this play because we're friends, okay? And that's how you do it, boys and girls, and these and them. Sorry, I didn't mean to gender boys and girls. That's just... Uh, it's a habit I gotta get over.
1: But with food... <laughs> <laughs> but with food you can never really go wrong with pizza i mean pizza <laughs> that's true though it's one of the easiest things to easiest foods to get and, and you don't have to make anything so much.
0: i always think that i have to make everything for everybody and then my mom gets mad at me because i use the kitchen and i make a mess but uh yeah
1: forgive sarah she is baking grounded.
0: I'm baking grounded at the moment because I made beignets and it was really messy. So at the moment I am baking grounded, yes.
1: You can go to Trader Joe's, you can get some pizza and just have some snacks for them. Actors really like snacks and and just they can munch on the snacks while you listen and they read the play. And it's really important also, I'll say, to get somebody to read stage directions it really helps when you're thinking when you're looking at the timing of your play and it helps you hear the voice of your stage directions which as you probably heard when we do feedback for our playwrights for PRP we often talk about the stage directions and it's really we find it important because it really gives the playwright a voice through these stage directions so it's important that you hear those oftentimes those get forgotten but You really want to...
0: And also, cast your stage directions as a character. Don't make it yourself. Because during the reading, you don't want to have to do anything but listen. Um, You don't want to have to read it. You don't want to have to think about, oh, when's the next time I'm reading something? You just want to take notes and listen to your play. So, don't read it yourself. Is, I think, what people do. I know that we touch on it a little bit, but... During your feedback session, what questions are you asking
1: your audience? The questions I often ask are, what did you take away from this play? Which is similar to, uh, what do you think this play is about? A little different though, because it often forces people to to think about this play as something that is useful and figure out, why did they think, what do they think they got from it? Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: oftentimes if people don't get something from it, then what's the point of it? Mm-hmm. I There's theater that doesn't have, like, something to take away from it, like, meaningfulness-wise, but I think good theater, you can take something away from it, and...
0: Even if it's not to, like, save world peace, it's like, oh, I'm gonna be a better person, and I'm gonna make people's days brighter. That's still meaningful as well, you know?
1: Yeah. I also asked what confused you about the mm-hmm. piece.
0: You have to make sure that there's logic in your play, and that... You- They got from point A to point B the way that you wanted them to get from point A to point B.
1: Yeah. So you often, often asking that question is really helpful because you've been looking at this play for however long you've been writing it. So you know how things go, but the audience does not know that. People reading do not know that. And so they will tell you, what they don't understand you'll often hear that too when it comes to dialogue or stage directions there'll be some confusion and that that's natural but is really having this question allows them gives them the freedom to tell you yeah i didn't understand this part what you really want is you want an open dialogue not like the dialogue isn't defending your play but open dialogue between your actors allow giving them the freedom to tell you what they uh what they felt when they were reading it You want them to feel to have an open environment that they can feel they can talk in and give you feedback. in.
0: I'd also ask, honestly ask some of the basic, most basic questions about the story because if there's no story, there's no play and you want to make sure that that's like really grounded. So, you know, asking what's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? That's not a stupid question because it's a very integral part of a story of a story. So you have to make sure that's coming across. Asking about the characters as well. You know, who do you think this person is? Who do you think's the antagonist? Who do you think's the protagonist? If it's, you know, that kind of play. Uh, what's the conflict? When do you feel the most catharsis? When do you, when's your moment of realization? When is this? When is that? Be prepared with some questions, but then I think out of the conversation, way more questions will also pop up. So I think just always have an open mind. You know, nobody is there because you're not, you didn't invite anybody that hates you. So just stop thinking about that. Yeah, just take everything as it is. Trust your audience, but also trust yourself. Sometimes during these readings, you'll get a lot of suggestions from people about the story. And take it as you will. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't, just say thanks.
1: Yeah, it's always important, and we say this when we talk to our playwrights at PRP, that we're just telling you what we see. You can take our notes, you absolutely do not have to. If you don't think it fits the story, you shouldn't. Because I've often been told from professors that bad notes don't kill a show. Good notes kill a show you're often trying to accommodate to everything and that spreads you way too thin and you often lose sight of what you really are going for so when you hear a note or you hear feedback if it sparks something like hey oh that'd be really cool if i tried this then i'd take that note but if you think i i just don't know if that's what you're thinking you don't have to take the note you don't you never have to take the note
0: all right so that's what we had just our little thoughts on greetings and organizing and feedback and now mitchell has planned a game for me yes I... what am i doing today mitchell
1: so today we were talking about workshopping, and we're going to be talking about a different kind of shopping retail shopping ha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. so this is a game I like to call... Charge! Like, credit card charge.
0: I get it, I get it, I get it.
1: So, I'm... (laughs) I'm going to... I'm going to describe... I really... I really like my, um... I've been getting more creative with my non-sequiturs. I Uh I, I take my role as the king of non-sequiturs... Very seriously. (laughs) Okay. So, I'm going to be describing... A retailer, and then you will have to guess what retailer I'm describing. It sounds like it's going okay. to be hard. It won't be. Okay. Okay. I got
0: I got this. I got this. You
1: got this. I,
0: I like stores. I go shopping. Okay. I got this.
1: Okay. You ready?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this retailer is one of the most well-known in the country. Known for their signature red color and dog mascot, this... That- this retailer's name is synonymous with archery. Target Yes, it is Target.
0: That's too obvious. This retailer's name is synonymous with archery.
1: You, also That's that's archaic enough that people might be like, what?
0: No, but also, no it's not. Archery is a verb. Target's not, or not, it's not a verb. I'm so dumb, I'm so dumb. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, But like, archery is like a thing you do. You don't do target. You do archery, but you don't
1: do target. You hit the target during archery, so. Exactly, it's synonymous with archery. It's something in archery. Ugh, fine. It's, 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 It's part of archery, okay?
0: Okay. I'm writing
1: these from scratch. Okay. Number two. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, this retailer has everything you need for refurbishments and DIY work. That's it? That's all I'm giving you for this one.
0: Well, this could be a couple stores. I'm gonna go Home Depot.
1: You're correct. It is Home Depot. Number three. Based in Issaquah, Washington, and despite having only around... And despite having only over... And despite having a little more than 500 stores, this retailer is known for its bulk items, killer food courts, and top-notch samples. Costco? That is correct.
0: You love Costco. I love
1: Costco. Costco.
0: They only shop at Costco.
1: Yeah, we only shop at Costco.
0: Well, to be fair, you guys have a big family, so you have to buy things in bulk. But, you know, whenever I go to Costco, I'm like, I don't need all this stuff because I'm not going to use all of it.
1: I have a problem I have I really like Kirkland brand tortilla strips so much it's a oh problem gosh.
0: like the huge bag
1: yeah the huge I bag eat those chips yep yeah they had a new salsa verde we tried oh it was great anyway oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> all right number four based in Seattle Washington this retailer is probably more well-known for its website than its books.
0: Excuse me?
1: Its website. I
0: don't know anybody who's like, look at this famous website started I
1: started with books.
0: Oh, Amazon! There you go,
1: Amazon, yes.
0: Ah, I got it! Because I thought it was like, oh, then it's books, like, it has a bookstore. And I was like, what?
1: Bookstore. Am- I Amazon get it. Amazon started as a yeah, Amazon. and then they had Kindle. I, the Kindle.
0: I feel like I have an abusive relationship with Amazon because I, I don't want to be there, but I keep going back because what else am I supposed to do? You know.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Amazon <laughs> is problematic. All right, what's next? Final one. Number five. Based in Bentonville, Arkansas, this retailer. Uh, uh, first,
0: wait one second. Why is it? pronounced arkansas
1: oh but K- we're gonna lose all kansas our, all our is not listeners
0: kinsaw i'm not saying that arkansas is the one that's wrong i'm just saying it has to be arkansas and kinsaw but it cannot be kansas <laughs> and arkansas you can't oh no, we're, have we're it not in both anymore. ways you cannot have it both ways, and this—you know what? There's a lot of problematic things surrounding Kansas. Okay, Kansas City, Missouri.
1: There's a Kansas one City in Kansas too. It's just on the border.
0: Kansas. One more time, Mitchell. Kansas City, Missouri.
1: Oh my gosh, we're gonna lose all our, all our listeners. I'm not saying that Missouri. the people
0: are bad. I'm saying that whoever founded the states you gotta th- rethink that the state okay lines.
1: who drew the state lines
0: yeah who drew those lines but also you can't have arkansas and kansas it has to be arkansas arkansas or kansas and arkansas you can't have it both ways okay that's all i'm saying continue mitchell
1: number five based in bentonville arkansas or arkansas if you want to not have it both ways This retailer is number one in retail sales and can be found all over the country and includes cheap items and boasts an accessible environment. In boats? Boasts. Boasts. Oh,
0: I thought you said boats. And I was like, I don't know anything about boats. Mm -hmm. So, they basically just sell stuff really good? That's their thing? They
1: sell stuff cheap.
0: Oh.
1: And they... And you can always go there. It's like a place that is pretty accessible...
0: Is it Walmart?
1: That is correct. It is Walmart.
0: I almost got kidnapped in a Walmart. What? <laughs> when I was little, mm-hmm. I was at Walmart with my mom, and some guy came up to me with his arms out. I was like, "What's your name?" And then I screamed and I ran to my mom. So I've never been to Walmart since.
1: That turns True out that story, man guys. was wearing a, uh, wearing a blue, uh, thing. He was actually an employee, being like, "What's your name? Where's your parents?" <laughs> and went, ha!
0: And ran away. <laughs> i don't remember anything i just remember running to my mom but i haven't been to walmart since also at my walmart there's this crazy thing that happened somebody the walmart near my house I, i'm not claiming it as mind because i don't go there but somebody brought like a long sword like a real long sword and was waving it in the Walmart and, like, knocked down a whole bunch of things and stuff like that. They didn't hurt anybody. But it, they had a sword, so, you know, Walmart, it's not my choice of store. That's all I'm saying.
1: It's my choice of store. Saying.
0: They also treat their employees really bad, so that's all
1: I'm saying. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I, I wanted to portray everyone in the most neutral light in here. Mm-hmm. This game. Okay. Charge! That? So that was episode 13 of the play repertory podcast where we talked about workshopping if you have a play you want to see workshopped we're a great place to workshop it
0: wow I know it's, it's like the second plug in a
1: row this episode <laughs> we'd love to read your play and we'd love to find some actors to help do reading of it here on the play repertory podcast the link to submit is tinyurl.com slash prpsubmit. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash prpsubmit. Or you can email us at play.rep.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to give it a space to have a reading.
0: Once again, we'd also love to host one of these mini episodes with you. So if you have some niche thing about theater you want to talk about, email us, DM us. We'd love to talk about it. We're so open to all the ideas, so... Don't be free to reach out.
1: And of course, this is episode 13, which means there are 12 episodes before this.
0: This is episode 13, dun, which dun, means dun. that it's cursed.
1: It's cursed. So there are 12 episodes before this, which means you can go and listen to those 12 episodes if you haven't already. You can find them on any, like any, almost any platform where you can find podcasts. Like we're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Stitcher!
0: <laughs>
1: You're on Stitcher. We're on your Alexa. We're on your Google Home. We're everywhere. Just look up the Player Repertory Podcast. Tell your Alexa, hey, Alexa, play the Playout Repertory Podcast and she'll do it.
0: And she'll say, "Are you sure about that?
1: <laughs> Are you sure about <laughs> that?" They really—they talked about Amazon in this episode, so yeah,
0: <laughs> we're gonna be playing. We're not sponsored. Too. We're
1: not sponsored. So go give those twelve episodes a listen. And Sarah, any final thoughts?
0: Yeah, if you wanna have reading, never forget to pull your friends down to the ground, look them in the eye, and tell them. You're coming to my reading. So then they just know once more that they're going to your reading.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.